Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we recap the 27 to 23 loss to the Tennessee Titans. Guys, do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Blue Chew, that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, you know, a lot of guys talk a big game, but if you're a one-and-done kind of guy, Blue Chew can even help you get to round number two. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for all our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to try Blue Chew for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you in part by Roman. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer-lasting sex. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by Bailey Adams. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks at jarco underscore bucks at bailey j adams 22 and at bucks underscore nation the city of nashville is celebrating a 2 and 0 weekend over the city of tampa bay and we are just so excited to talk about it i can't wait we we get kicked in the groin with an overtime loss to the predators then get kicked in the groin repeatedly against the titans it was awesome. Obviously, Bailey, the the big story is going to be the fact that Jameis Winston had two interceptions and two fumbles. However, the first fumble was because Ryan Jensen decided to snap the ball when Jameis wasn't looking. So that's on Jensen, but statistically has to go on Jameis. The other fumble is because Donovan Smith just kind of pirouetted and let a defensive end run right past him untouched, who swatted the ball as Jameis was getting ready to throw. So that fumbles on Donovan Smith, but statistically, it's going to go against Jameis. Now we get into the interceptions. Now, Bailey, we, we've been talking about this in the Bucks Nation group chat, and we all kind of decided, uh, given the information that, that Gil gave us from the press box, uh, following that first interception on the throw to Godwin, that Godwin was getting chewed out pretty bad. That interception was more on him. He ran the wrong route. It is what it is. 
And then the final interception when the Buccaneers had a chance to win the game. I don't know what Perryman was doing. I could have run faster than Brashad Perryman on that on that route. That was pathetic. But both of those interceptions statistically go against Jameis Winston. Bruce Arians said after the game that, quote, not a damn one of those interceptions were on Jameis Winston. His receivers let him down. How do you feel about the turnover situation in this game? Do you put any of these on Jameis, or are you taking B.A. at his word and saying, no, the interceptions were the fault of Chris Godwin and Brashad Perryman? I'm taking B.A. at his word. I mean, he 110,000% knows better than I do. And like you, mean, you, you ran them down really well. I mean, both the fumbles, to get those out of the way, Jameis could not have done anything about those. I know someone might say, oh, he could have had better pocket presence, but Smith got flat-out beat on that play. Jameis had no time to even really realize, oh, my arm's about to get hit. So neither of those are on Jameis. The Chris Godwin one, I think, at the time, it looked really, really bad. And then with the information we got from Gil and then what, what Bruce said after the game, I mean, yeah, it's on Chris Godwin. I mean, it looks really bad, but obviously Bruce knows the route that was supposed to be run, whether it was a, whether it was a hot read, whatever it was, that's on Godwin. And then, yeah, I, I went and went back to the, the Perriman play at the end of the game because I was – in, in real time, I saw it and I was like, yeah, it seemed like he kind of slowed down there. But then after I saw more people talking about it, I rewound it for some reason just to make myself more angry. I don't really know. <laughs> but I went to see just to see what exactly happened. It looked like he got off like he got off the line pretty quickly, but he gave up on that route. Like almost I don't know I don't know how much time was like he just realized, oh that's not gonna be a good throw. I'm not gonna even go after it. I don't know if he if he finishes that route, if he catches it, if it he probably doesn't catch it because he couldn't catch anything today. But I don't or know what any day. At the very least at the very least it probably falls incomplete, and they get another shot. The Bucks still probably don't win that game, but you got to give your quarterback a chance, and that's not what he did. And, and yeah, I mean, it's it's the same story where the same people that are are convinced that Jameis can't do anything right. These four these four turnovers are going to go on Jameis's name, and that's all they're going to see. That's all they're going to care about. Oh no, it's Jameis Winston turning the ball over again, and. I know all of the turnovers he's had in his career. There's just just too many at this point. There's so many, and you can't say, oh, you got to have context. You can't, like, look at the context for all of them. But you have to, like, realize that this team is bad. And this team this team is just not consistently putting its quarterback in a position to win games and to, to be successful. And I guarantee you, you put another quarterback in there right now, and maybe, yeah, you're not going to get some of the dumb throws that James makes at times. But I don't know how any other quarterback – doesn't doesn't turn the ball over in those situations that he turned them over in today. I don't see how any other quarterback does anything differently to avoid those. And we'll still hear about it all week, all rest of the season. Oh, they need to replace the quarterback. Okay, go ahead and do it and see what happens. See, see if, if you don't upgrade the rest of this roster. And honestly, you might have to just blow the entire roster up at this point. The trade deadline's coming. If they don't blow the roster up or at least just make some moves to kind of like figure a lot of things out, this, this roster is not set up to be successful. It's, it's set up to be just good enough to kind of be in a game and then do something or do enough wrong to lose. And, yeah, so, so a long story short, I just took probably five minutes to answer that one question. But, man, you, you can't put this game on Jameis like everyone wants to. 
Well, and, and another key moment in this game, there were, there were a couple and for all intents and purposes, the Bucks outplayed the Titans for about 95% of this game. They dominated Badly. in the first half and turnovers caused two short fields for the Titans and they converted on both of them. They had their, their touchdown drives outside of that 90 yard drive that the defense gave up. And we'll get to that in a minute. We're 10 yards and six yards. Your defense can only do so much in that, in that span. The defense overall played pretty well. Again, we'll get to the 90 yard drive in a minute, but another key moment in this game was the Titans running a fake field goal and Devin white knocking the holder back. I believe it, it, he's also the punter. Yeah. Kern. Kern. Kern knocked him all the way back to fourth grade. That ball comes out and it is a scoop and score for the bucks 30 to 27 lead. Now the pressure's on the Titans. Oh no. Oh no. We have more nonsense. Uh, that's not the word I wanted to use, but I can't use the word that I want to use more nonsense out of the officiating that they blow it dead. Even though the ball came out, let it play out because now even if you review it and you thought he was down before the ball came out guess what automatically reviewed nobody uses a challenge and your first instinct was right but the fact that you blew it dead and your instinct was not right and kern fumbled the ball and there was nobody absolutely nobody in between i can't even remember who recovered it Martin but nobody was it Andrew? Oh, nobody on that field goal unit is catching Andrew Adams. Nobody. That is a touchdown, and it was stolen away. And very well, I'm not going to say definitely, but very well could have cost the Buccaneers this game. It's inexcusable, and the officiating continues to get exponentially worse week in and week out. And it's not just the Buccaneers. There were plenty teams around the league during these 1 o'clock games. I'm not currently watching the 4 o'clock games because Bailey and I are chatting. Plenty of calls that are just blown over and over and over. It's inexcusable. Again, the Buccaneers had plenty of opportunities. How many times did they have first and goal situations and had to settle for a field goal? You know, there were the... Do what? Two or three, I think. Yeah, it was two or three. I can't remember exactly. I know they they were marching plenty of times. I know definitely two, possibly three. But... You know, they they had their own missed opportunities, but to steal something like that away from the team is it's just inexcusable. I can't come up with another word without turning this into a uh, you know explicit show, which we're not going to do. It's so frustrating, and it happens week in and week out to every team in the NFL. But obviously, we're not talking about every team in the NFL. We're talking about the Bucks, but. Talk about a major, major screw job. There's no accountability either. I, I don't understand. None. Week after week, there's you, you can at least at least one game every every week is being decided by. I mean, not decided by, but being very big, like very influenced, emphatically, yeah, influenced by by poor officiating. I don't understand. I mean, just ask 
ask the guys up in Detroit how they're feeling right now about the officiating. Ask anyone in the league. I mean, ask the Saints from last year. And I just don't get that's another thing about this too. That's what I thought back to is weren't weren't the officials given direction earlier this season from the league to let those kind of plays play out? Don't blow them dead. Let them play out. I, I could have sworn I saw that somewhere that they were given that direction. And if that's the case, what happened to that today? I don't I don't get it. Yeah, well, and they were told that last year too, but it was you're right, it was emphasized after the Saints were hosed on a scoop right. and score that should have been a scoop and score. The Saints could be undefeated right now if it weren't for that. You know, that was their one loss was against the Rams. And in that game, it was Cam Jordan who who had a touchdown and it was taken away. I'm not gonna cry over the, you know for the Saints, but yeah. Or Saints. Yeah. Yeah, or you know, watch watch Pat McAfee on Monday mornings, whatever show it is that he's on on ESPN. Watch him rant about the officials because it is brilliant, it is fantastic, and it is dead on one hundred percent accurate. One hundred percent. All right, let's move on to the the back breaking drive, and we're going to talk about a defense that again was really solid all day long. At one point, Bailey. The Bucks had more penalty yards than the Titans offense had total yards. But here they go on a 90-yard drive. The pass rush wasn't getting there like it had been all game long. The corners were playing soft. And Tannehill just dinked and dunked all the way down the field. Again, you you're in a position your offense, despite its flaws, despite its mistakes, had you in a position to win. And the defense gave it up yet again. Bruce Arian said after the game, the corners, quote, the corners need to get their heads out of their asses and play the way they've been taught. He was not pulling any punches in this post game, which goes back to our first topic, makes me believe even stronger that Jameis's four turnovers flat out just were not on him because Bruce would have called him out for it. He's calling out everybody. But what in the world happened to that defense on a 90-yard drive by Ryan Tannehill? Come on. <laughs> it's the same old story, though. It's the Bucs against backup quarterbacks. Um but man, yeah, that, that that like you said, that outside of that drive, I had zero issues with the defense today, and or Sunday, it's going out, yeah. So I don't know what happened. It, it seemed like yeah, the pass rush wasn't getting home, but didn't it seem? I don't. I'm not very technical with the scheme and all that, but did anything change schematically? Because it seemed like the, like you said, the corners were playing soft. They weren't playing the type of coverage that they were playing before, and and like you said. Tannehill was just able to hit those eight-yard passes. He just was able to get his way down the field with these these quick, short little throws that the Bucks were kind of just giving him. And you know, you give them you give them those kind of throws long enough, they're gonna work their way down the field and go 90 yards on you in seven minutes. I don't know what happened. It was that one drive, and it seems like I mean, if it's, it's just kind of the Bucks thing to do, isn't it? I mean, there's they do so much right, and then there's just gotta be one thing. There's obviously more than one thing, but there's just gotta be that one drive. The defense does so well. There's got to be one drive where everything falls apart. And, yeah, I mean, to see Bruce call out the corners yet again, I mean, that that group probably is not having a lot of fun. Um, 
these these days just because they're being held accountable for for what they're doing on Sundays and I mean I know they're all young guys but I don't know how much longer Bruce Arians going to put out put up with this I mean they're going to have to make some moves eventually they're not going to make moves if any move they make this week ahead of the trade deadline if they make any move it's not going to be for this season but Bruce Arians he ain't sticking around next year to lose again I don't know that he thought I mean he he said he came back to to reload this year and he, he thought you know we're going to compete now I think he's kind of realizing okay this roster does not have we don't have the guys right now that are going to get us anywhere but he ain't putting up with this again next year no he's he's going to get them right by next year and if that takes you know getting rid of these some of these second third round guys they've gotten within the last couple of years I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't do it. OJ Howard getting shipped out of town for a shutdown corner and a first-round pick. Man. Would you trade OJ Howard for Darius Slay? How old is Darius Slay? You say how old is he? Yeah. Uh, why he's are you going to ask me things that I have to look up? No, he's not old. He's not, yeah. I, I, straight up? You're saying straight up, would you? Yeah. I mean, yeah, why not? I, I really like in the past couple of weeks I was like I don't want them to trade OJ Howard. He's too talented, too much of a mismatch. But if they're not gonna really make an effort to to get him that involved in this offense, yeah, I mean you you need somebody in that secondary that can one lead the whole group and and not only just lead them like and in terms of the locker room, but just lead by example. They don't have any guy, they're all making mistakes. There's not one guy like, oh, look how he does it. They're all messing up. You get a guy like Darius Slay in there, that's a guy that's proven. That's a guy that can be your number one corner, and you can rely on him to go up against some of these receivers that they see in the NFC South. Not to get too far into it, but, I mean, I, I think any any number one corner that's controllable contract-wise and still fairly young, I mean, I don't see why not. It sucks because I like O.J. Howard, and I think wherever he goes or if he goes somewhere, he's gonna ball out and make the bucks look stupid but you got to do something don't you yeah well i'm i'm sure we'll have plenty of uh of trade speculation popping up here uh monday and tuesday but bailey the uh the last thing that we're going to talk about is the play calling do we have to we do now we could fill a whole episode with this <laughs> i've said it numerous times other people have said it numerous times. Bruce Arians has to take over play calling. If the Bucks have any shot of turning this around, even just to get to 500, Bruce Arians has to take over play calling. How do you have Mike Evans get 190 yards? At one point, he had 190 yards, and the rest of the team had 117. You have him dominating this game and he doesn't get a single target in the fourth quarter. You call a fourth and one with the game on the line. You call a handoff to Peyton Barber out of the shotgun. If you're going to run the ball in that situation, line up like you're going to run the damn ball. Don't try to be cute. Don't try to take anyone by surprise. Do what you do. Line up and pound the ball. 
or, and I'm just throwing it out here, throw it to your all-pro receiver who has almost 200 yards. It's not that hard. Instead, you try to get cute and once again, outsmart yourself and cost the team a game. Why is Brashad Perryman getting so many targets? Why is he getting a two-point conversion target? Why is he getting a deep target with the game on the line in the fourth quarter when he gives up on his route and costs the team an interception? Why are you not feeding Mike Evans and Chris Godwin? Big money players make big money plays, and you're not giving them the chance to do that. I would rather die on the hill with the ball going to one of my playmakers than die on a hill with a ball going to a guy who should be cut on Monday because he couldn't catch a beach ball with his arms laced with stickum. It's just infuriating. It's mind-boggling. And Byron Leftwich, as much as I love him, as much as I think he's a great guy, and I think he does have a bright future, right now in this moment, he's in over his head. I think he could he could learn so much more. I'm, I'm wondering if Bruce is kind of like, all right, he's going to make the mistakes now and he's going to learn from his mistakes. But I think he can learn so much more by working closely with Bruce while Bruce calls the plays. Because he just he needs more time. He just he's not he's not there right now. Where he he's just calling. I know I think it was somebody on the broadcast said something about oh he's called a good game or something. Like, he's saying, he's talking about how good of a game he's called. And sure, I mean I think he called a pretty good game for a lot of it. But when it comes to those big decisions and those key moments, more often than not, something's going wrong, and it's a lot of the time as a result of play calling. And I just looked this up. Brashad Perriman had four targets in this game, which I thought it was a lot more. So that just must have meant all four were in really, really key situations. Because I swear, in every key situation, I was saying, why are they throwing the ball to Brashad Perriman? And they just kept going to him. They kept going to him. And I don't know what that was about. I don't know. And I think at this point, he's got to be gone, right? He's got to be gone. He's going to get that compensation pick if he's, if he's cut. So what reasoning do you have to keep him on this roster? You don't. You know, and at this point, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I saw this somewhere. If the Bucks get rid of him tomorrow, can't they recoup some of those um, compensatory draft picks? Yeah, yeah, I think that they do get. They do get. I think I, I don't know what. I'm not the guy to ask about all of that technical stuff, but I remember I've seen it plenty of places where they get they can get a pick if if they let him go and there's no reason to keep him on this roster. The Bucks don't have a third receiver with or without him on this roster. So what's the point? He's not your third receiver. So if you let him go, what happens? You know, who could be a really good third receiver for this team? Adam Humphreys. OJ Howard. (laughs) Not wrong. You're not wrong. Bright was getting some love today though. Yeah, man, I, I I wish I could have seen that weeks ago with, with both of those guys in there and we wouldn't even have the we wouldn't be having this conversation about OJ Howard getting traded. I don't think if they could find a way to use he's so athletic and he's such a mismatch and I don't understand the point like I mean I guess they talked last week. Bruce Arians was saying, you know, he's not getting off he's not getting off the, the line. 
they're they're holding them up in his routes, but it just doesn't seem like they're making a huge effort to get him involved. And I guess if you're not going to get him involved, ship him off, get something for him. I mean, it's frustrating to say that because I like OJ Howard, but what are you doing? Tinfoil hat theory. The Bucks made OJ Howard inactive in order to try. They didn't really succeed, but to try to showcase Cameron Brait, to trade Cameron Brait and his exorbitant salary. That's interesting. I'm, I'm, grasping, <laughs> I'm grasping at straws, buddy. <laughs> that's, all we can, that's all we can do. That's all we can do right now. I did say tinfoil hat theory. I didn't. I didn't say that it was a, a good theory. Yeah, I mean, as long as long as you use the disclaimer, I think you're fine. Yeah. All right. Well, Bailey, that is going to do it for this episode. Plenty more to talk about. I know you guys sent in some voicemails. David is sick. He handles the voicemails. Bailey and I had more than enough. We could probably go for another half hour, but the network doesn't want us to. So, with that, Bailey. Thank you so much for filling in for David again. I, I know I said it last time, but at some point we're going to have to get you on the payroll because you've been you've been <laughs> filling in so much. <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed. All right. Well, please make sure you're checking out everything Bailey and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Send in your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at BaileyJAdams22, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Another week waiting for a game, coming off of a loss. Hoping to get a win next week. The Bucks go to Seattle, so probably not. But at least we're not Falcons fans. Hope you all have a fantastic day, and thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. I'm feeling glad I got sunshine in a bag. I'm useless. Not for long, the future is coming on. I'm feeling glad I got sunshine. Without it, you make it allow.